So an emotional day in court as the victims, the friends, the families, the loved ones of all those impacted by the Oxford High School shooting take place inside Judge Kwame Brown's courtroom in Oakland County. And this will immediately precede the sentencing of of Ethan Crumbly, the shooter in this case. Jeffrey Swartz is a criminal law professor at uh, Cooley Law School and joins us. Jeffrey, I, I know that these these days in particular, especially when you're dealing with with a, uh, a high school in this case, these victim impact statements are I mean, they are absolutely heartbreaking. They, they truly are. And in most cases where victims come in and speak, um, it is pretty much the same, although this one hits a little bit harder. Uh, we have to listen to exactly what they are, victim impact, and, and what it means to them. As far as the sentencing is concerned, I think that's a foregone conclusion. I think the judge, when he made his decision yesterday uh, that Mr. Crumbly was eligible for life without parole, pretty much tells you just about everything that's going to happen at the end of the day. And what's the threshold for, for that type of sentence? Well, here's the bottom line. Um, there is a rebuttable presumption uh, for life without parole in first-degree murder in Michigan. That presumption has to be overcome by the prosecution by clear and convincing evidence. The burden is on them. Clearly, the judge felt that the prosecution had met that burden by establishing that there is no rehabilitation that is possible that there's no way that anything is going to change for Ethan Crumbly, no matter how long he is in jail. And so, therefore, because he cannot be rehabilitated and because he formulated the intent, an adult form of intent in what he did, there is no reason not to apply uh, the uh, life without parole standard. That's under the Miller case uh, from the United States Supreme Court. What she got uh, as a as a minor is there is there ever uh, a, a a circumstance in which Ethan's case crosses over with James and Jennifer his parents' cases because look they they are different uh, the the charges yeah. are different but is there yeah. anything that we'll see that will be a crossover here? Uh, I, I I think the crossover we will see is if they are convicted then we will get the same type of victim impact statements that you're getting today. Only the difference will be that the parents uh, in particular of the victims, whether they were just shot or they are deceased, will stand up and say, I raised my children right. You are terrible parents. And if it wasn't for what you did or did not do, my child would be alive today. And so, therefore, I blame you for it. That's the type of statement that you're going to get. The problem is that I I have opined on a number of occasions that I think the charges against the Crumblies uh, should crumble. I I don't think that the prosecution can prove causation. I don't see a standard which uh, the evidence which would meet a standard for a, a manslaughter conviction. But they will be convicted because it'll be in Oakland County and it'll go all the way up to the Michigan Supreme Court before they could possibly get any relief. Uh, I don't see uh, a, an elected judge granting a motion for judgment of acquittal. I see a prosecutor who, in my opinion, wants to probably uh, follow in the footsteps of Gretchen Whitmer 
and left the bench solely to build a political career who is using the Crumblies, uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, as some sort of uh, symbol. Uh, she got the law passed that she wanted, but that law doesn't apply to the Crumblies. So, so do, you, do you just feel like in the, in the parents' case there just isn't enough evidence that the prosecution has? What they don't, the evidence, the, the evidence is there. The difference is that the evidence doesn't stand up to causation. Mm. There is nothing in Michigan law that says you have to secure your weapon or that you are responsible if someone gets their hand on your weapon because you did not secure it. We saw the same type of defense take place uh, in the Sandy Hook case. Uh, where the the shooter actually took his parents' gun, mm-hmm. and the parents were not responsible for what their child did. What you have in Michigan now is a law that was passed that said you are responsible for what happens with your guns if you don't secure them properly. And many states have laws like that, but Michigan didn't have one at the time of this event, and I don't see how they're going to prove that there was a duty that was breached by the Crumblies, and that, in fact, that was the cause of the death of the victims in this case. What kind of precedent do you think, uh, in the case of Ethan Crumbly, what what kind of precedent is this case setting, do you think? Well, you know, we've, we've seen it around the country. The Miller case clearly says that it is a, an incredibly high standard of clear and convincing evidence to overcome this presumption. Whether the evidence that was presented to this judge is sufficient to reach that standard will obviously be a subject of review uh, when the appeal is taken after the judgment is entered. But for the time being, uh, he will go into the system without any possibility of parole. I don't think the Michigan law would allow the judge to give sentences on the four deaths that are consecutive to each other. Uh, I think that that's a double jeopardy issue. So at this point, we're we're down to what will the Michigan Supreme Court do in light of the Miller case and the Michigan cases that have followed the Miller case uh, to determine whether, in fact, the state met that burden or not. What did you make of the state bringing a, a terrorism charge against Crumbly? I understand what they were trying to do there. Uh, I think that it was meant to pursue in in greater context the death penalty. Uh, I don't see where uh, what Mr. Crumbly wrote is tantamount to a threat of terrorism or a terroristic thought process. Uh, He was angry at some people. If, If that was the context of terrorism, then that means every single shooting that results in a death because someone gets angry with someone is a terroristic type of of uh, act. Mm. So I'm not sure that I like that charge. There clearly was first degree murder here. They had intent. They had premeditation. They had everything they needed. I just don't know how terrorism applies in this particular case. So then uh, as these victim impact statements roll on today, where do we go from here? Well, once the victim impact statements are done, the judge who I believe has probably already written uh, his his sentence and 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 his statement that he's going to make, he has to make findings, which he made yesterday. Now he has to say, this is what I've applied. This is what I'm going to do. And he will pronounce a sentence. And I'm sure he's written exactly what he's going to say. Uh, So there might be a short uh, recess. 
But as having been a judge for 10 years down in the state of Ohio, I can, or state of Michigan, I'm sorry, let me stop. State of Florida is where I live. Um, because I was a judge in the state of Florida, I had to write sentencing memorandums sometime mm-hmm. and read them. You, you write them in advance. Sure. You pretty much know what you're going to do. He knew what he was going to do even before yesterday afternoon. And what do you think the decision will be? It will be life without parole. Yeah, it, it does seem to be pretty cut and dry. And then when we consider the parents' case, we'll we'll see how, how that plays out. We'll, we'll catch up again uh, soon. Jeffrey Schwartz out of Cooley Law School. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Have a wonderful day and a happy holiday. Yeah, you do the same. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. If indeed that turns out to be the ruling, is that something you agree with? I mean, everything has been gone through. All the the T's have been crossed. The I's have been dotted. We've had Miller hearings. We are now in the victim impact statements. And and next is sentencing and carrying out whatever that sentence is. To me, it's very obvious. This is life in prison without the possibility of parole. And it seems to be a a pretty cut and dry case. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. We still have a lot to do today. Um, We will talk to Christina Caramo coming up later this hour, the chair of the Michigan GOP. Um, Because the the party, in my estimation, is in a bit of a disarray in what is being done to, to steady the ship and keep her in power. We'll talk about that next as we continue right here on JR Afternoon. Don't go anywhere.